All right, welcome to the Texas Hip Show. This is podcast number 85 this week. God, I cannot believe we've been doing this 85 times now. This is our third year of doing the Texas Hip Show podcast. And uh, we started, I guess, in September of 2020. And uh, gosh, already uh, here in, in mid, late June of 2022. So very excited to, to be trucking along with my weekly podcast here at the Texas Hip Show. I'm Russell Dowden, your host and publisher for the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. And those magazines are available all over smoke shops and CBD stores in San Antonio, Texas, Houston, Texas, and of course here in Austin, Texas. And the magazines are available. In fact, there's a screenshot. I got a shot here. We can bring these up. Uh, This is the latest edition of the the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. And uh, full of uh, articles and content on anything from CBD to growing operations to banking, financial, and anything and everything that has to do with uh, the legal state of cannabis here in the Lone Star State. So um, now that was this this particular edition was my second anniversary issue. So we've been doing that for two years now here in uh, in Texas. So anyway, that's our publication. Those are available online at texashempreporter.com if you'd like to get one of those and pick those up. Um, My guest this week on the program is uh, Jesus Barola of Possible, which is a B2B cultivation operation in the Monterey County there in California. And Jesus was going to be on the program a couple of months ago, but we had a tornado roll through the week that he we had him scheduled. But we've got him on this week, and uh, welcome to the Texas Hemp Show, Jesus. How are you, man? Good. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, Jesus. man. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, and then I, a little bit later, we'll bring in Cameron Field, is a, a, a cannabis attorney for Michael Best Attorneys, and we'll be bringing in uh, Cameron as well uh, here on the Texas Hemp Show shortly. But um, yeah, man, you've got I've I've been digging up. This week, researching your 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 company, and you guys do a, a very large production uh, of cannabis grow operation there in Southern California. Tell us, guess a little bit of how you guys have stayed committed to providing high quality cannabis through a sustainable process uh, all year round there at Possible. Yeah, so the you know the background of the company is prior to cannabis, we were. Uh, David, the main uh, founder of the business, uh, is one of the largest uh, greenhouse producers in Mexico. And so really, it was about bringing high-tech greenhouse into the cannabis space in California. And really, what we found is, look, there were a lot of people that were going to want to participate in the industry. Not all of them were really going to know about cultivation. A lot of them were going to be more brand folks. So there was going to need to be somebody to supply with those brands with high quality flour and somebody that could really run the grow side of things efficiently and incorporate big act technology and know-how into that. So acquired this farm back in 2017 uh, and really kind of a growth in two ways. We retrofitted a hundred thousand square feet of existing cultivation space and then set out to design a high tech facility that we're actually in the current of uh, building out now. And in the interim, we've been, you know, our first harvest was really 2019 before we were able to get through all the licensing process, the retrofitting, the permitting, et cetera. And then since we have uh, worked with 
uh, you know, over 20 of the largest brands in California mm -hmm. as their as their grower and co-packager. So, um, you know, it, it's nice. I walk into dispensaries and in most cases, there's uh, something that I grew for somebody. <laughs> I'm sure that that's what I was going to ask. I, you know, I know that uh, the... I mean, is this part of a white label operation in, in many ways? Can you call it white labeling at, at this level, uh, Jesus? Is, is it even, is it more of a partnership? I don't know if, if white labeling is the right word, but, uh, you know, I, I, you guys are growing for the top, like you said, many of the top 20 brands in California are, are it's your cannabis that you guys grow. Yeah. No, for, uh, yes, it is a white labeling. It and, is, right? Uh, Look, I think a lot of folks run from that term. And look, if you actually look at most CPG, uh, is run through white labeling, right? Budweiser does not grow their own uh, barley, their own hops. Right. Coca-Cola doesn't mix in their own drinks. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tyson <laughs> doesn't grow their own, you know, doesn't uh, uh, grow their own chickens. Uh, Apple doesn't build their own iPhones. They design them. So look, it's about... You know, that's, I think, a common misconception in the industry that if you right. want to participate, you got to do everything yourself. And really, when you look at CPG, that's not the way the world works. Uh, it, it is much more effective to really go deep and specialize into one aspect of the business than what you see a lot of times in the cannabis space, which is, oh, I want to participate. Uh, you know, I'm a very good brand. I want to have a CPG brand in cannabis space. And the next thing you know, uh, those same people are trying to operate a farm and trying to be a retailer at the same time. You just lose track of what is your core value and how you can add that, mm -hmm. you know, add value to the consumer. And in our case, we know what we are. We know what we're not. Uh, we are folks that know about growing. We're folks that know how to build products and we know how to do that effectively and how to leverage technology to do that. Our guest, Jesus Barola with the, Possible Project. You can visit them online at possibleproject.com, and that's P-O-S-I-B-L project.com. And how are there other clients that are, do you serve outside of of California as well, Jesus? Or is it just primarily California that your your business services? It is just California, really, just because of the regulations. Right, there mm -hmm. is no interstate commerce when it right. comes to cannabis. So I, you know, if you want to service florida you need to grow in florida if you want mm -hmm. to service you know uh new york you're gonna have to grow in new york so that's right again that is one of the things that is makes cannabis in the short term a little bit inefficient yeah a lot of states that would not be traditionally producing cannabis that have to if you want to participate in that market well but, you have to forgive my naivety of this because i'm from texas and we're mm -hmm. still trying to figure all of this out. So, <laughs> uh, you know, um, I know that you can get your genetics across state lines. There's people that, you, you know, you could purchase genetics from across state to state. So I wasn't sure if, if you know, you could do a, a, a commercial grow up for somebody, you know, in Oregon or if that's just that. But that is uh, limited just to, to state to state. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, they're able to do that through genetics because you know, it's being transported in a seed format or in a clone format. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the plant doesn't have THC. So it is, you yeah. know, that's, that it, you know, can be considered hemp at that point. Mm -hmm. And there is no regulation to uh, limit interstate commerce. And look, I think eventually we're, we're going to get there with cannabis, but it's one more inefficiency that today in a, you know, new industry that is trying to figure out what regulation looks like. 
Uh, yeah. They just want more efficiency. Well, you know, like um, one of the one of the industries that I like to look at because I have an interest in it is craft brewing, and you start to, you're able to to share in craft brews or, or that. I think that'll be cool if we can get. Uh, you know, a little more lax with the federal laws on on uh, you know transporting and 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 you know sharing the the market uh, with cannabis. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Look, and there's multiple steps and a lot of ways to skin that cat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody always talks about federal legalization. Well, I think that's the ultimate goal, but I think there's steps in the interim. I mean, uh, allowing interstate commerce even with a federal uh, you know, being federally legal could be a reality. Safe banking would be another, yeah. uh, you know, potential milestone. So look, I think eventually we're going to get there. The, you're not putting that genie back in the bottle. Um, you know, two thirds of the population can now access cannabis legally in some degree in most states. And, uh, you know, we, the tide is very, is very clear where that's headed. More and more states continue to legalize cannabis. Uh, we'll get there. I just, you know, the question's when, and you know, I wish I had an answer for that. Well, we often one of the topics that anyway, I can I can you know maybe touch on this with uh, with my, my my guest in the second segment. Um, um, Attorney Cameron Field is also here with us, and one of the things we often talk about here here in Texas, Seuss, is is that you know maybe that the the federal laws might change, making things different for us here in the Lone Star State. We we often speculate that there might be movement coming from, you know, Washington uh, giving us, a, 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 you know, a national program, you know, across state lines. And a slow, it's very slow moving things here in the Lone Star State with our legislature and the way it, it works. And so one of the things we always talk about is if we'll ever see a federal legislation before the state of Texas ever makes any moves, uh, we may be reacting then um, more than, than acting in the long run here in the Lone Star State. Yeah, it could be. Uh, look, um, you know, I, I, I think no matter how it goes, you'll have the benefit of learning, you know, not going through the pitfalls uh, of many of the states that came early. Look, it's, it's great that we have, uh, you know, recreational cannabis in California. It doesn't mean that it's, uh, that it's a perfect world. They've made plenty of mistakes in that legislation. I think, you know, now you see New York starting to craft things and I think they're taking some of the lessons from California, but, uh, you know, who knows? I'm sure they'll make some other mistakes and, uh, hopefully by the time it gets to Texas, they got it all figured out. (laughs) Well, when do we, we, when we get things going over here in Texas, uh, one of these days, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, an extension of your division here. I think agriculturally Texas would be a great operation, for a possible project uh ever ever uh, think about texas if we'd ever get our stuff together down here legally absolutely absolutely and i think you're right texas would be a great place to grow uh mm-hmm. look i would say much less so some of the states that have to have grows and it all has to be indoor and all has to be powered through you know energy because you don't have the right growing conditions right like does it make sense to grow Cannabis in Alaska? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> but you know, but um, there's no way to get it uh, shipped in there, so you have to. So look, I think the states that have the ideal growing climates and that have traditionally been hubs for agriculture are the ones that uh, you know, in a real free market uh, with interstate commerce, will be the ultimate winners. I 
I think California is one of those places. And, and I think Texas is probably one too. Here, let's bring in our, our uh, other guest, uh, Cameron. Uh, Cameron Field, attorney with Michael Best. Uh, Cameron, welcome to the Texas Hemp Show. How are you, my friend? I'm great. How are you, Russell? Uh, hey, hey, good. Good, good. It's good to see you. I, I wanted to get you, bring you in here. I, I, could, I could sense that you might want to comment just with Jesse and I talking here. I know you've come from a background in the agricultural side of the law. For, uh, you, you spoke off air a little bit about you, some of your background, but what do you think about you know, where Texas is and, and where we may get at, at, at some point, uh, you know, down the road, it, it certainly proves to, it could be a very lucrative market as, as Jesus is, is noted. Yeah, I think, you know, Texas being one of the most populous states is, is poised to do quite well if we ever do move in a trend of legalizing for adult use recreational marijuana, just like California has. Um, but seeing what we saw out of the, the state GOP convention in the, Recently, I don't think it's really on anyone's the top of anyone's agenda in the state to move that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it continues to be pushed around in the the House, the federal House that is, but the Senate right now it's also not anywhere near the top of their agenda. So everybody in the industry, we love to speculate about when it's going to happen federally, when it's going to happen in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always, you know, I I'm usually an optimist and in, in most places in my life, but I continue to be somewhat pessimistic about calling any sort of year or month when we might see some something happen on a federal yeah. level or on a state level in Texas, just because there's so many other things that are going on. And then we have things we don't even um, know about, like the, uh, the you know, recent school shooting legislation that can derail any other efforts that happen to be going on. So, um, you know, I'm still optimistic that it will happen eventually. Like Jesus said, yeah, the, the train has left the station genie's out of the bottle so yeah we are moving that direction but um i'm not one to make guesses at when it's going to happen but i wouldn't be surprised if texas was left reacting to this instead of carving its own path which is not very not a very texan thing to do but i wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened well we'll stay right there guys i'm going to take a quick break it's our first commercial break here on the texas hemp show both of you uh stay right there our guest jesus and cameron uh, jesus with possible project dot com check them out at p-o-s-i-b-l project.com and then also joining us this week is our friend cameron field from michael best attorneys so stay tuned it's the texas hemp show i'm russell we'll be back right after this guys is a proud supporter of the Texas Hemp Show. We are commercial growers of hemp specializing in producing the highest quality of CBD, CBG, and CBN. All of our products have been given an unmatched level of care, which comes from pouring our soul into every aspect of the growing process. Voted best hemp in Colorado this year. Our commercial hemp flower is available for white label purchase today by visiting online at soulgrownfarms.com or by calling our commercial farm in Colorado today at 303-598-2311. That's 303-598-2311. We invite you to taste what Colorado already knows. That's at soulgrownfarms.com. 
At TFNB, your bank for life, we understand the unique struggles this emerging market creates for early adopters. We love working with innovative entrepreneurs on the next big thing, and we believe hemp is exactly that. For over 130 years, we've been getting to know our clients and helping them plan for their future. Come tell us your story and plans for your venture. TFNB Bank, your bank for hemp. Proud to support Texas farmers. Visit online at tfnbtx.com. Hey, this is Cheech Marine, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. The Texas Hemp Show is brought to you by Your Business Here. Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Labs exclusive hemp monitoring program. Hemp Plan members get one-on-one consulting from knowledgeable consultants who are available when you need them most. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit tpslab.com or call today at 956-383-0739. Hey, this is Tommy Chong and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. The Texas Hemp Reporter is available free at all CBD and smoke shops in Houston and Austin, Texas. Expanding to Dallas and San Antonio this year. Cannabis is slowly becoming legal in Texas. So be sure to listen to the Texas Hemp Show podcast every week, wherever podcasts are available. The premier hemp and marijuana advocacy publication for Texas. The Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. Mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Texas. Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. Now in our third year, with more than 100,000 copies made available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops in Texas. That's the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine and the Texas Hemp Show. Visit online at TexasHempReporter.com and listen wherever podcasts are available. Now, back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. All right, welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show. This is podcast number 85. This week, our guests, Jesus Barola and Cameron Field, uh, senior counsel and co-lead for the cannabis program there at Michael Best Law, uh, joining us here from Austin, Texas, and then all the way from the West Coast there in Monterey County is Jesus with, again, PossibleProject.com. Welcome back to the program, guys. Thank you. Good well, good to be here. Yeah, thank you both for being on. It's a a, a bit of a mix. You got a, a you know we got the got Cameron from the legal side and the ter- uh, as an attorney in this space, and then uh, you know Jesus, you guys have a very big operation out there in in California, and how do you guys rank? I guess a, a scale with other big operations. I mean, I I think you guys are a pretty big operation from what I've seen. 
Is there a big, isn't there big corporations that are out there growing cannabis as well? Is How competitive is, is are the corporations yeah. now out there, Jesus? Yeah, there, there are a lot of big ones. And, and frankly, right now, being huge is not a strength, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, having quality and having the right, uh, the right size is more important. So, yeah, I mean, you've got a company out in California talking about 5.5 million square feet of greenhouse. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't know who's going to buy that much weed. <laughs> 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 right. Uh, look, uh, in terms of what we rank at scale, we we're very happy with the size of the farm. And we're frankly trying to take a very careful approach to growth. Um, we have 100,000 square feet under canopy right now mm -hmm. in a greenhouse setting, which uh, which puts us in the top 15% in terms of size. Mm -hmm. I think the important thing to, to, to note is greenhouse production is six times the size of what outdoor production is, right? So 100,000 square feet of greenhouse is roughly, you know, six, 600,000 square feet of outdoor. Not only that, but, it's, you know, we're having six cycles per year. Um, and we're, and we're much more focused on the quality uh, spectrum of things that we are on the on the scale and size. Yeah. Do you, you, you have do you have a standard pricing for your customers that's kind of preset? I, I, I know that, you know, the you guys focus on, you know, the service as just as much as the quality of the product uh, as well. Jesus. What, is there a, a standard pricing for the, for the grower, uh, for, for clients as well? Uh, is that something that's just across the board for anybody that comes in? Yeah, look, um, we do and we don't. The, I think the hard part with cannabis is that you're, we're building products. So what kind of end product do you want? So mm -hmm. I can't have a standard price for a pre-roll because, well, what do you want in the pre-roll? Do you want full flower? Do you want to put some shake? Do you want to put some keef? Do you want to, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we're able to play with those inputs to get people to the price that they need to be. Same thing with flower, right? Um, does it need to be 30% THC? Do you want a five nug jar or do you want a seven nug jar? And those are all things that uh, can impact the price pretty dramatically. So, you know, our approach is, you know, what is your target customer? How are you trying to price it? And let's help you build a product that, you know, can make you competitive, bring value to the product. And, and ultimately, you know, we depend on our brand partner success for us to be successful too. And you guys have a kind of a, you have a smart greenhouse program. What, what's a, talk about the strengths of, of, of the, of your grow operation. Yeah. So look, what we, what we see is traditionally cannabis because of how it grew, the illegal nature of it. You had people either producing outdoors, but it was up in the hills, or you had people growing indoors, you know, whether you call it a basement or a warehouse, and that was like your high-end production. Um, but, you know, that's what the market, uh, you know, attributes as like the highest quality is indoor cultivation. But how many other large-scale agricultural products do you know that are grown in basements and warehouses? And the answer is yeah. not much. And why? Because it's very expensive to grow that way, especially when you have great natural elements to be able to grow like we do here in California. So why would you, why would you then decide to grow in a basement or a warehouse? It's just not. And that's how the industry has matured, you know, because you couldn't build a high tech greenhouse because, you know, you had to hide from the cops. So now that we are legal and it is a legal industry, we are able to bring 
some of that great technology that is being leveraged in every other agriculture crop into cannabis. So, you know, our ultimate goal is to be able to produce indoor uh, like product in a much more affordable and sustainable way. Let me bring in Cameron into the conversation. I just want to see if Cameron has anything that he would like to ask you about your grow operation. Cannabis attorney, Cameron Field, senior attorney for Michael Best Law. You got anything for Jesus as well on about his grow operation, Mike? Yeah, well, well, Jesus, what really struck with me was how you talked about how, um, you know, being vertically integrated isn't necessarily the answer. And I think when, when the hemp industry started in 2018, going legal across the nation, You'd go to all these conferences and everybody was talking all about being vertically integrated because kind of like you said before things were legal that was kind of the only way a lot of people could do it because every every step in the chain there was a lot higher risk with law enforcement but if you look at any other cpg company or you know food and beverage brand a lot there's a lot of third-party manufacturers and people like yourselves that are you know specializing one thing and i think that's really the answer for the industry is for people to specialize and to help help it grow and mature. So yeah, one question, I also had a question on um, pricing for your specific products. Do you see folks in the industry that are maybe doing outdoor grows or other types of grows for volume versus quality? Do you see any sort of um, normalization or kind of commoditization of pricing coming in at this point in the maturity of the industry out there in California? Very much so. I mean, look, uh, the bulk market pricing in California has gone uh, decreased, you know, it's the only thing that hasn't been, uh, yeah. suffered inflation and gone up. So the uh, bulk uh, pricing of cannabis in California has gone up down about 60% over the last 12 months. And we are, we are seeing that I think uh, outdoor flowers, not necessarily going into jars anymore uh, with, you know, it is said right now in California, there's three times the legal production as there is demand right? Because mm -hmm. it's, it has struggled to get people from the traditional market into the legal market based on the amount of taxes and regulation that exists. So uh, we are seeing it so that, you know, it, the quality requirements or threshold has just gone up and up and up. And it's hard to scale a brand and you're not going to, you know, there's some great outdoor flower being grown, don't get me wrong, but you're going to have a once a year harvest. So how do you build a CPG brand that is, you know, you're not going to be on the shelves for three months a year. You want to be on the shelf 12 months a year. So it's, you know, it's really not capable to do that with outdoor production. So that's really where it ends up going back into indoor. If you want to pay the top shelf. So, you know, I would equate that to the person that's going to buy, you know, a $70, $80 bottle of wine, like that might be great, but that's not what I'm drinking every, you know, every week. Um, right. So what we're intent to do is to be able to produce the equivalent of that $30 bottle of wine, $40 bottle of wine that like, look, for most consumers, it tastes just as, as, as well as the indoor flower, if not best, has full spectrum sun, but it is much more uh, affordable and it's year round production. So you always have fresh product. Uh, I do think you know, again, let's talk about like just other industries. Um, some oranges are grown to go into orange juice and those are not necessarily the same oranges that end up at Whole Foods, you know, and, and that you go and take a look at. So 
Right. Uh, I think a lot of the outdoor production is going to be focused much more on concentrates and vapes mm -hmm. and those types of things, edibles. And I think ultimately, you know, full flower um, is going to have to go, you know, at scale, really greenhouse is what makes sense. And I also had a question. How are people finding you guys? How are these, these companies that want to contract with you to do like a five nug jar or seven nug jar? How are they finding you guys? You know what? Uh, a lot of it is word of mouth, to be honest. Uh, I, I feel we've developed a very strong reputation in California and there's not a lot of people with our business model. Like I said, everybody's still chasing the vertical integration dream yeah. or um, so there's not a lot of folks or, or like the folks that just want to grow, they grew and they sold into the bulk market. And, you know, a year ago or two years ago, the margin was great. Um, but now it's those people are really struggling. And we've always envisioned this business as being an empowerer brands and a B2B um, kind of focus, focused um, business. Uh, but to answer your question, a lot of word of mouth. We don't have a lot of people with the same business model. Yeah, you have a, a a pretty cool. I mean, the, the there's some technology involved behind what you guys do. You do offer uh, pesticide free. Um, you're committed to the human talent, the human aspect of the production side of the business. Uh, can you speak to just the technology and 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 the the hard work your team does there? Yeah. Um, so the greenhouse is fully automated, meaning you know we have sensors all throughout the greenhouse and a you know, sensor outside, which is really tracking humidity, sunlight, temperature. Those sensors go back to a computer and controllers that say, hey, it's time to open the window. It's time to close the windows, turn the heater on, turn the heater off. Let's activate the supplemental light because it's below a certain threshold of micromoles that the plant wants. Uh, really, we're, we're trying to reduce um, you know, kind of human error, automate as many of those functions as possible, mm -hmm. and then put the controls in, in that greenhouse to be able to uh, adjust the environment and what is the main things, humidity, temperature, light intensity, and, and irrigation. So, and, and it's, it's, and it's this automation that you really kind of uh, uh, embrace with the company branding. It, it, it's, you kind of brand as the, the greenhouse of the future. Am I right? Yes, correct. And I mean, it's technology that exists uh, in scale in big ag and a lot of the, you know, traditional uh, greenhouse products. And so it's about bringing that into cannabis. But not only that, like, really, I think our background is growing at scale, which is where things tend to break. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fire off your website. Anything you want to offer? I don't know if you can offer a whole lot of us anything at all in Texas, uh, but we want to talk about your grow operation and, and and the services you guys offer. I guess just let folks know how they can get in touch with you because as soon as you 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 guys have a, a really cool product, uh, I think you're innovative. Um, we here in the Lone Star State are very envious of of the. the you know, the, the industry there in California. And so we, we've got a long way to go still here in the Lone Star State for a lot of things. But, uh, you know, fire off the yeah. website, tell folks how they can get in touch with you. You know, how can folks get actually reach out to you to learn more? Yeah, so uh, through our website, www.possibleproject, spelled P-O-S-I-B-L, project.com. And I would say, yes, there's something fantastic that I can offer folks in Texas, which is... Um, our business model, one of the strengths is that 
we are able to power with asset light brands. So like when people think about getting into cannabis business, everybody first thinks about, well, I got to go get a license. Well, the folks that work with us out of the 16 brands I support right now, mm-hmm. none of them have a license. Why? Because we're a licensed cultivator that will ship to a licensed distributor that'll ship to a licensed retailer. So, okay. um, so what I am able to do is put brands into market within 30 days without having to go through a very costly and time consuming licensing process. Mm -hmm. So what I would say for the folks in Texas is, Hey, if you know you're waiting for Texas to have a cannabis industry to get a brand started, wouldn't it be better to generate, you know, some brand awareness, get your, you know, feeding the industry, learn some lessons, craft, you know, the brand messaging in what is a, you know, in a market that's competitive, but it'll Mm kind of, show you what works and what doesn't work. I'm able to get, you know, we see it right now. We get approached by brands that are successful in Nevada, in Michigan, in Arizona that want to come to uh, California. They're not going to buy a grow. They're not going to go through the licensing process. So we can put those brands, you know, in the market in, in less than 30 days. Wow. Well, well, uh, I think it's good to, for folks to get out to, into your ear, get in, get into, get in your head, and start figuring out, uh, uh, you know, some of that, some of that talent that you guys have have done there with that technology and and that automation with your grow operations. Cameron, do you have anything else? We're gonna we'll go to a, another segment and another break here, and then we'll just come back with Cameron. But um, I wanted to let Cameron have a, a final shot and, and ask anything else he might have for you. Uh, say goodbye to Jesus here on this. Uh, segment here with him yeah no other questions jesus that's just really cool that call to be able to start brands through having folks that already have licenses i think that's a really smart thing to do and something that people have been doing like you said um in the cpg space for a long time that people are able to you don't necessarily need to own your own manufacturing plant or grow operation or cannery you just need to have the right contracts in place and agreements with the right people and the 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 uh, pricing needs to work to be able to make that work. So that's really cool that you guys are doing that for people and can move so quickly on that. Thank you. Yeah. And it, I mean, those are the same muscles that have helped a lot of the, our brands that we partner in with right now, be able to launch their brand into five or six States because they've already learned how to work through, you know, white labeling contracts and how to successfully launch into multiple States without licensing. So look, the ultimate winner of this is whoever can position, you know, nationwide brand awareness. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to build grow operations in 16, 18 or 25 states. Right. So, you know, we feel like a lot of our partners are having a lot of success based on actually being in this model and not owning cultivation. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, fire off the website again. It's possibleproject.com. Is that right? That's correct. P-O-S-I-B-L-Project.com. And uh, be sure to check out the good work the folks there are doing in Salinas Valley and Monterey County there in California. Thank you so much, Jesus, for being a part of the show. Cameron, you stay right there. We'll be back on the other side. This is podcast number 85 of the Texas Hip Show. We'll be back after this.
Soul Grown Farms is a proud supporter of the Texas Hemp Show. We are commercial growers of hemp specializing in producing the highest quality of CBD, CBG, and CBN. All of our products have been given an unmatched level of care, which comes from pouring our soul into every aspect of the growing process. Voted best hemp in Colorado this year. Our commercial hemp flower is available for white label purchase today by visiting online at soulgrownfarms.com or by calling our commercial farm in Colorado today at 303-598-2311. That's 303-598-2311. We invite you to taste what Colorado already knows. That's at soulgrownfarms.com. At TFNB, your bank for life, we understand the unique struggles this emerging market creates for early adopters. We love working with innovative entrepreneurs on the next big thing, and we believe hemp is exactly that. For over 130 years, we've been getting to know our clients and helping them plan for their future. Come tell us your story and plans for your venture. TFNB Bank, your bank for hemp. Proud to support Texas farmers. Visit online at tfnbtx.com. Hey, this is Cheech Marin, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. The Texas Hemp Show is brought to you by Your Business Here. Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Labs exclusive hemp monitoring program. Hemp Plan members get one-on-one consulting from knowledgeable consultants who are available when you need them most. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit tpslab.com or call today at 956-383-0739. Hey, this is Tommy Chong and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. The Texas Hemp Reporter is available free at all CBD and smoke shops in Houston and Austin, Texas, expanding to Dallas and San Antonio this year. Cannabis is slowly becoming legal in Texas, so be sure to listen to the Texas Hemp Show podcast every week, wherever podcasts are available. The premier hemp and marijuana advocacy publication for Texas, the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine, mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. Now in our third year, with more than 100,000 copies made available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops in Texas. That's the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine and the Texas Hemp Show. Visit online at texashempreporter.com and listen wherever podcasts are available. Now, back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. All right, welcome back to the Texas Hip Show. This is podcast number 85. I'm Russell Dowden with the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. You can pick these up actually all over the state. 
Um, our publications available currently, the June and July issues available at smoke shops and CBD stores all over the state of Texas. That's right. You can find them in San Antonio, Austin, and uh, in Houston at smoke shops, CBD stores all around the state. We're very excited. We're in over right around 800 locations. I guess it's maybe 750, somewhere around there. Uh, I think there's about 250 locations in San Antonio and Houston and around right at, under 300 here in Austin that, that carry the Texas Hemp Reporter. So uh, we are proud to have the state's only cannabis publication. So we're covering the laws as they apply to, uh, you know, uh, hemp, uh, hemp grow operations, uh, industrial hemp, medicinal cannabis here in the Lone Star State for our veterans and cancer patients. And so... It's a very exciting opportunity, and, and uh, it's been, been two years of us covering the hemp and cannabis status as it applies to everybody here in the Lone Star State, So, and we're hoping that our laws will improve. And here to talk with us about some of these laws is our friend Cameron Field from the Michael Best Law Firm, and Ka- uh, Cameron is uh, the senior counsel for co-lead on the cannabis program there. So, hey, I owe you lunch still, by the way, Cameron. Yeah, we're supposed to meet at Matt's. <laughs> we're supposed to meet do Matt's El, Rancho. Matt's El Rancho. We've been talking about it for about a year now, and we need we need, we need to finally get this done. I I think I'll probably make this happen next week if I if I, uh, I finally got you on the show here to talk a little bit. And uh, yeah. uh, you're down there in South Austin, though, right? Yeah, I can walk to Matt's from my place. <laughs> That's kind of like my unofficial lunch spot for meeting clients <laughs> and other people. <laughs> Well, I'll tell them how close I am that it's it's convenient for me, but it's it's pretty great to saunter <laughs> up there anytime. Well, you the know, I was always margaritas or not with a with a business. Yes, yes, a yes, question. indeed. Uh, always a good margarita there at Matt's El Rancho. Congratulations! Uh, you said you were joining. You're part of the legal counsel with the Texas Hemp Coalition. Is that right? Is that a new position? I'm on the um, not not necessarily the legal counsel. We do have oh. our own legal counsel, but I'm on the executive um, the executive board. The executive so kind board. Of a, a voting, a voting member of the Texas Hemp Coalition, and I joined that right at the beginning of 2020. So we had our first board in person board meeting in the first quarter. And we, we've kind of been rolling with monthly board meetings ever since. So we've been adding, we still have room, I think, on the executive board and also just for traditional board members. So the way it works is just the executive board has certain voting rights to take the Texas Hemp Coalition in certain directions, whether mm-hmm. it's going to be, um, you know, in our advocacy arm for what we're pushing, whether it's trying to defeat, uh, you know, build a prohibit Delta 8 or try to legalize hemp in food and beverages or animal feed. That's going to be more like on the advocacy arm, but then we also have a, mm-hmm. a lot going on our education side as well. We have an event coming up in the fall of 2022 here. It's going to be in College Station. The date is to be determined, but we're going to be putting on a full-on education event called the Texas Hemp Summit, where we're going to bring together some of the best minds and brands in the state. It's not going to be, um, it's not going to have like a big expo floor like you see at some of these for-profit events that happen around the state. This mm-hmm. is going to be purely. Um, you know, networking and learning for our uh, industry and trying to help the industry thrive in Texas and just bringing people together. Yeah. Um, so I'm really happy to be a part of the organization. It's really great people. And yeah, couldn't, couldn't be happier to be a part of it. We've got at least two attorneys on the board and we've got a lot of great, we've got some growers. Um, we have a, a resident physician 
um, who can talk about the the medical side of the industry from from rec- from um, from medicinal marijuana and is that is that is certain brands as well. Is that I was just curious. Is that Doctor Aldo Morano by chance? No, it's um, it's Doctor Doubleday. Okay, name. okay. Wasn't sure if that was uh, if uh, who that might be, but yeah, I, I know a lot of you guys that are all on in there, and, I, and I've been I've been told that I I should. Uh, Alyssa Nolan keeps inviting me to join and I, I keep putting it off and I haven't joined the, the, the coalition, but it's like, I know everybody that's over there. <laughs> I need, yeah, I yeah. need to just go ahead and, and get some, uh, can you, can you join to be a part of the board, Cameron, or is it, uh, is it something like that? Do I, I could get a business membership for my, for the Texas hemp reporter, I guess, uh, or, and and I know there's different roles that you can do and I need to go over this with Alyssa, but I know that we're supposed to be a big sponsor for that event that's coming up in the fall, um, for you guys, we're, we're supposed to be the media sponsor for that. Um, but, uh, I definitely want to get involved maybe and come to a meeting or when's the next time those guys get together with stuff. Um, it's about the, the board meetings are about once a month and they're open to all board members. And so mm-hmm. the executive board is just a small subset of people, but okay. then the larger board are people that's, um, you know, pay much smaller amounts of money. Mm-hmm. Um, Alyssa is our executive director and she's also been very flexible and creative with, um, the dues collections for some of our, our members that want to be involved. Mm-hmm. So certain companies, you know, might have something to contribute like yourself, like with, with, with media, Mm -hmm. um, or certain goods, um, you know, hats or shirts. And so we've been very flexible with what people can provide to be able to be part of the network and to work together. But all the information for like the scales of membership and how you can be involved and what you get, um, are, is going to be available at the, the website, um, so just Google Texas Hemp Coalition. We just launched a new website this within the last couple months. So it should have all the information on there. And we're working with a great new vendor that makes mm-hmm. the whole membership process really slick and easy. So yeah, here's uh, the here's actually the website right here up on screen now for for just for viewers that are watching. Uh, it does look like y'all updated the website a little bit. It looks pretty, looks uh, real. Yeah, looks nice. It's got a, a new look to it here from the last time I was there. So. And we're going to have a whole new brand new uh, membership portal, which makes it really easy to sign up to be a member and then get all the benefits that come with that and get involved. Um, the board meetings that happen monthly are uh, online with video chat. So mm-hmm. we have lots of we have more just standard board members than, uh, you know, board members with voting rights that are joining every week. And there it's uh, just a lot of content being traded back and forth about what's the status of the industry in the state. What are we seeing we have people from um, within the industry that are out of state that are also on our board and are involved. So that brings in a whole different perspective because like talking to Jesus, I just learned a lot about California is kind of a black box for me. I don't do a lot of work in California. Mm-hmm. Don't do, don't know a lot of people out there. Mm-hmm. First, it's interesting to hear you know, what you're seeing in different states because right now, um, especially in the hemp side of things, it's just a patchwork of what's going on. Um, from a legal perspective and from a market perspective, state by state, as you've got all the minor cannabinoids coming up, states moving to regulate them in some ways, some states moving to legalize them and normalize them in other ways. And so it's just good to see um, in Texas, where we haven't had a lot of legislation and a lot of change in hemp since our first hemp bill and coming out of hemp legalization federally, it's just good to see what's going on in other states that are a little bit more active and have 
yeah. legislatures that you know meet more regularly and pass more laws. So you do. So so the coalition does have uh, non-state, non-Texas members. Uh, is there, we do. That, that's pretty cool that they allow yeah. for uh, you know because because it, it can learn, it only makes them a better organization and to learn what other states got going on. It does. Um, yeah, well. it's great. Well, yeah, and the and, and the and the people we bring in, the people that we have as members are just it's just great people. It's a lot of the leaders in the state, um, and then the people that are out of state tend to be pioneers in the industry as well. So Kim, they, they found us and tried to join. So what you know, do you would, what do you let me ask you this? So we'll kind of turn gear here towards uh, the agricultural side. What do you think? Do you think we'll get something in Texas done with feed in the next session? Uh, you know, I, I know that was something that many guys. Uh, you know, uh, f- some folks wanted to see something in the legislature put together that was going to allow for, you know, livestock to be able to try and, and implement. Uh, do you foresee that happening maybe in another session or two? You know, I could I could see it happening. I don't know what the larger implications of it would be in terms of how much of a market it would open up, because a yeah. lot of a lot of the cattle in Texas don't necessarily stay in Texas. Yeah. And from a federal perspective, it's it's we still even if Texas took the step to allow hemp products and animal feed, there's still certain federal standards for what can be an animal feed. And then it comes down to the USDA and those standards. And if you're feeding your cattle something that or or any sort of animal that's going to be slaughtered or milked or it's eggs gathered, mm-hmm. um, there's certain standards for what those animals can eat. And if they're eating something that doesn't meet those federal standards, it can't then cross state lines and enter interstate oh, commerce see. where it's regulated by USD and other federal standards. So we need to see a, any, any, any change on that front would come from USDA, uh, I guess. Yeah, initially. yeah. Yeah. There's these standards called the AFCO standards that mm-hmm. are, it's kind of a quasi governmental organization that provides these standards that then get adopted by FDA um, USDA has certain certain insight into that as well. We are seeing. I know. I know. I've been seeing more and more, um, you know, animal feed companies, and had more and more animal feed companies reach out lately mm-hmm. um, from a legal side. That so that so it is a growing side of the industry from a um, targeting not just like domestic animals like dogs and cats, but more livestock. And right now, um, horses are kind of one of the leading areas because they're generally not slaughtered in the U.S. And um, people are kind of, you know, seeing sort of a loophole there where there, there's not necessarily certain standards for horses if they're just essentially large, expensive pets for a lot of people. And um, as we know, you know, hemp contains, all, it's a complete protein. It's a great, it's a great food. And I think we need to see a little bit more research done mm-hmm. from universities for what it looks like for an animal feed before we see some change on that, on that front. And so I think Texas maybe moving in that direction would help open up places like Texas A&M start, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe doing some some uh, research on animals. I know they're doing a lot of genetic research and stuff right now, but I think we we'll see some more research on what it's like for animals, what the health benefits are. I think that's something that we would see changed federally pretty quickly. Hey, well, Cameron, what was the most recent? Um, didn't wasn't Texas A&M granted a grant recently for a program with cannabis? Did did I read that here in recent last week or earlier? Yeah, in the week? I, 
What was I actually just I just had a call with um, I love that you're showing the picture of me from like uh, <laughs> 13 years ago. Or so, so long hey, update oh, that thing. That's your that's website. Get, get a new I know, picture. I know. Of I know. I know. It takes, it takes a lot to get a, you know, get a headshot change at a big law firm. So. <laughs> um, I, I was just um, I was just talking to Dr. Jessup at mm-hmm. Texas A&M yeah. last week because he one of my colleagues is actually hosting a panel on controlled substances in mm-hmm. Dallas. And um, it's at a it's at a conference where it works with tech transfer professionals at universities. So basically universities come up with certain technology all the time and then they license it to make money for the university. So coming up with patents and trademarks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on things they develop. So Texas AM is doing they're through Dr. Jessup, they're doing a lot of um, I believe I can't really speak to exactly what he's doing, but basically a lot of breeding work in the hemp yeah. space and yeah. up with different genomics. And uh, hypothetically, they'll be able to monetize those eventually and make money for the university system. And so that's what this, this, um, so he's going to be speaking up there at the end of the month with one of our colleagues who is the ex head of um, the DEA. He was the executive oh, wow. director of the Trump administration. And while the Trump administration wasn't seen necessarily as being, you know, marijuana friendly, um, this director of the DA, who's now in our staff and our D- DC office, he helped usher in and loosen the restrictions on research at universities for oh, wow. the plant. So it, was, it, it made it easier for the universities to be able to touch the plant and have THC higher than 0.3%. And so there, it's going to be an interesting panel. I think there's also an attorney that's talking up there that specializes in, in tech transfer. So, um, yeah, Texas A&M, they're, they're doing quite well with it from my conversation yeah. with Dr. last week. Yeah, just Dr. Jessup writes uh, occasionally for the Texas Hemp Reporter. In fact, I think I got a shot here of an article that's in the current edition of the Texas Hemp Reporter. Uh, there's a... Oh well, uh, well I had a well. There, anyway, he could he contributes a, an editorial piece in, in here occasionally himself, and uh, uh, my DocuCam uh, battery died, so I can't bring that up. But uh, yeah, they they do good work, and I read that there was a, um, a further expanding of um, I don't know if it was Texas or a federal grant was given to the uh, Texas A and M University for further. Uh, expanding of um, I don't know if it was medical testing of marijuana or but it, but but A and M always a, a leader there in agriculture and as particularly as it relates to cannabis and hemp in recent years. Yeah, I think they said they want to start getting into more of the human health side of things mm-hmm. with their research. So not just certain genetics, but starting getting into human trials and studying you know human health interactions. To start moving kind of more into the drug space, which is going to be. You know, like it or not, the, you know, kind of big pharma and that industry is going to start creeping into the cannabis industry relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, We're seeing it in the psychedelic space as well, but there's a lot of money to be made. And, you know, a lot of these companies have a lot of money and power and are going to start looking at these researchers and trying to figure out how they can, um, you know, for better, for worse, I think in many ways, um, for better that we're going to be seeing a lot of alternatives to opioids and other um, drugs and, you know, whole new realms of drugs for human health that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and just for listeners, if you're tuning in, you can listen to the podcast of, with Russ Jessup, who was on the Texas Sim Show. That was on podcast number 65, uh, just 20 podcasts ago that he was on uh, the program. Last little bit of segment here, I guess. Are you, as we get into the the end of this year, we got, you know, we got, I guess, our our November elections this year. Uh, what can we see I don't know what's going to change a lot for Texas uh, with this fall. This is obviously the the national elections uh, in D.C. Um, getting ele- folks elected into D- Washington this November. But um, are you optimistic, pessimistic? What are your thoughts as we get into another session of, uh, for Texas next year? Um, I'm somewhat optimistic and a little worried mostly on the what the what the future of the alternative cannabinoid market's going to look like in Texas. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a lot of changes right now in different states. I think at least 13 if not 16 states now have prohibited certain alternative cannabinoids and when I say that I mean delta 8s, delta 10, mm-hmm. um, even certain variations of delta 9 if it's hemp derived. We've seen some sort of restrictions on so um, you know, in, on the good side, we just saw a decision from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that confirmed what most attorneys and most of the industry have thought is that, you know, from a federal point of view, Delta 8 is entirely legal under the Farm Bill, and it's not a synthetic cannabinoid under the DEA uh, view of that, um, at least for copyright purposes under this this decision that we saw come out at the end of May. So we're seeing a, a little bit more clarity on a federal side. Um but from a state side, everybody's kind of jumping, jumping all sorts of directions. And given Texas, the legislature tried to prohibit Delta 8, and that's still pending in the state court. Or sorry, yeah, it's pending in front of the state Supreme Court right now, I believe. Um, we should see a decision on that. Um, actually, sorry, the Delta 8 decision is still in the Court of Appeals. But we should see a decision on that soon. And you know, you can get laws from both the legislature and from the court. So, you know, just seeing how like both the smokable hemp ban and the possible prohibition on mm-hmm. Delta H shakes out, we might see some cleanup come from the legislature. They're still focused on that, still targeting the industry from a not so friendly point of view. One of the things I would like to see done next session is if they would allow doctors discretion for amount of cannabis uh, prescribed. Do you think that's something... That's one of the things I uh, I know that uh, our friends Jax and Heather are trying to work on down there with um, with the with the cannabis advocacy. You know, they they would a lot of those guys from that side would like to see a doc the doctor choose the amount of THC that is in uh, the prescription. Do you do you do you think that uh, we might get get more flexible with 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 that it is it, yeah i don't, I don't have a ton of experience in the compassionate use program but i do know from p- politically speaking that doctors have a lot of weight yeah and so I, I think if the industry can pull some certain doctors in to testify and push for that uh politicians you know we've seen a lot of doctors rise to be politicians over the years and i think that politicians tend to you know bend their ear to doctors and listen to them so I could see that having some political weight. Yeah, that would be that would be a good thing for 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 us to have it happen in the coming session is to get doctors have their own discretion. Also, I think that uh, we need to get a deal done that would give um, 
what was the one of the ones we missed last session, Cameron? We missed. Uh, we got. We did, we got chronic pain. We did not get. And yep. so maybe we'll get chronic pain done uh, next session uh, as well. Fire off the website. How can folks learn more about the good work Cameron Field does and and Michael Best Law? Yeah, look up um, the law firm Michael Best. My name's Cameron Field. Email is cffield at michaelbest.com. I'm, uh, we've got an office in Austin, Texas. We're in about 13 other cities throughout the country. My co-lead is David DiGiacomo. He is in our Denver office, and um, our office there has been working in the hemp and cannabis industry since day one. So we've got right. a lot of experience in the space. We've been working in the agricultural space for nearly a century as a firm, so we've kind of lean on that expertise to also help all of our hemp and cannabis clients. Well, let's get together and really do that Mattel Rancho and, and do some, get some quesadillas and margaritas down there on South Lamar. I don't care. See what your order is. <laughs> It'll be my treat. I promise. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll treat us on that one. And then what you'll do is you'll get credit for bringing me in to uh, the coalition over there with Alyssa and the rest of that crew. So I know I've got to right. get my dues over to them and and look forward to joining that organization because I know everybody that's over there. So I need to I need to go ahead and join that that outfit and. And yeah. uh, stay in touch with uh, everybody through the good work the Hemp Coalition does. But uh, well, we'd be happy to have you. Well, let's say let's stay in touch. And thank you for being a part of the show this week. And and also uh, thank you to my guest uh, Jesus Barola. Yeah, that was cool having you on with him. I thought that would be cool. Yeah, really interesting what they're doing, and they seem to just you know be real experts in the space. And I love hearing people talk about that kind of that third party manufacturing yep. angle, angle of the industry because it's the future of it. And um, you know, you can't, it's, it's impossible to find someone to generate like a little jar of sauce from in the food and beverage industry right now, just because those third party manufacturers are so slammed and it's going to be the same way in the cannabis industry. So it's great to see them grabbing that bull by the horns. That's possible project P O S I D L project.com to check out our previous guest that was on the show today, Jesus Barella as well. All right, uh, Cameron, thank you, my friend. I will see you next week. I'll give you a call, man. When I'm down there in South Austin, we'll go, we'll go hang out down there and, and thanks for being a part of of the Texas Imp show. Take care. All right. Thank you. There he goes. All right, guys, that's the show this week. Wrapping it up. I'm Russell with the Texas Hemp Reporter and the Texas Hemp Show. Stay tuned. Next week, we'll have another attorney joining us on the program. It's going to be Andrea Steele will be co-hosting with me as we visit with Dalton O'Neill up in the Dallas area. Dalton will talk about an event that he's throwing up in the North Texas area and some of the work that he's involved in throughout the state. So next week, Andrea and Dalton will be on the Texas Hemp Show on Podcast 86. I'm Russell. Thanks for tuning in this week. It's Podcast 85. And again, thank you to Cameron and Jesus as being a part of the program this week. We'll see you next time.